Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, we have a special guest with us today, Eric McEver, director of the recent, I guess you'd call it a kaiju film. It's got some kaiju in it. It's kaiju adjacent. Is it Ike Boys or Ike Boys? Ike Boys. Yeah, Ike Boys. Japanese for go. Go. Go, boys. So this came out what 2019? It's been a it's been a long journey. Um, no, so we um, we shot the film in uh, the beginning of 2020, and then our uh, post production coincided with uh, basically the heart of COVID. <laughs> uh, but then sure. we we premiered in autumn of 21, uh, had our festival run, uh, launched on um, on streaming uh, about a year ago, so October of 22, and uh, things have been building from there. Yeah, so we we met briefly for the benefit of the, our listeners. We met briefly at G Fest, yeah, and uh, set up this interview there. They showed the film at G Fest. I had actually bought it on Vudu a few months before, and then it sat in my queue for a while. And then right before G Fest, I was like, "Oh, I better watch this. People from it are going to be there." But then we got to see it a second time at G Fest. I saw it a second time. I think that was Honeybee's first time seeing it. That's my uh, that's my co-host. She's not here right now. Uh, but we really enjoyed it, and everybody at the festival seemed to enjoy it. So tell me a little bit about your uh, inspiration for this movie. Well, you know, it's one of those things. It, um, it sort of comes out of both the things that I like and the things that I care about deeply. Um, I mean, there is... The movie is semi-autobiographical. Um, I mean, we, you know, it is shot in my hometown and, you know, there's there's a whole lot of me and the main character, um, you know, down to the fact that that's, uh, you know, the school we filmed at is the school I grew up at. Um, you know, there's a, like um, the, the quilt that my mother made for me when I was a child. That's on the main character's bed. Uh, you know, there's a lot of little things like that. I didn't really set out to make a semi-autobiographical film um you know i when i make films i try to you know making a film is really really hard um and like it's not worth doing if you don't really care about it um so what i always try to do is i try to combine um things that i like with things that i believe deeply and you know think are of value to the audience and for whatever reason um you know growing up and sort of the journey from childhood to adulthood was deeply on my mind the past few years and, you know, I, I did some thinking about that and, you know, a big part of my childhood was, uh, was tokusatsu and an anime. And I thought, well, you know, okay, like there's a, there's an opportunity here to make a, a really good coming of age film, um, you know, featuring these things that I loved and, you know, featuring some themes that I believe deeply. Uh, and you know, the other thing I started thinking about is, you know, there's, you know, I mean, I, I've had my own journey, um, you know, I grew up and, you know, loved anime and tokusatsu and went on to uh, actually live in Japan um, for most of my career. Um, but, uh, you know, the, my story is unique, but it's also not unique. I mean, there's a whole lot of 
people in, in both in my generation and younger who uh, grew up obsessed with Japan. And I thought, well, there hasn't really been a, a film made for that sort of that Japanese cultural diaspora. So I thought, well, this is my chance to to make that. Yeah, it's very clear in the film, your love for these things. Folks, if you haven't seen it yet, we, uh, we're we going to have spoilers. We're going to just go ahead and talk about things. So uh, you can watch it, though. If you haven't seen it yet, you can see it on Tubi for free or Amazon Prime or Plex or Freebie. Or you can rent and buy it on all the other things, the Voodoo and the Google Play and all of that. Uh, and, of course, I recommend that you do watch it if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah, it seemed to me the movie was very much about the, uh, I mean, it's about a number of things, but about the intersection of American and Japanese yeah, culture. Yeah, Because there's not only a couple of American kids that are obsessed with Japanese culture, but we see the flip side, a Japanese kid who is obsessed with uh, American culture, specifically Native American right. culture, the the most American American culture. Yeah, well, and, and again, I mean, like, there, there's more in this film than you would think that comes straight from life. I mean, so, you know, the lead characters, Sean and Vic, you know, they're very much based off of, of me and, you know, and my best friend from childhood. Um, and, you know, I mean, look, there's a heavy dose of fiction in there, but, you know, on some level... Yeah, well, <laughs> you think <laughs> on some level this actually happened. Let me put it that way. Um, now, so in the film, you know, there's a, right. an exchange student from Japan, Miki, who comes. Um, so there, there was no Japanese exchange student at my high school. Um, but the character of Miki, she's really based off of friends who I've made, you know, since I became an adult and moved to Japan. And you know, and that was the kind of the fascinating thing for me to, to discover is sort of you know I. There were my, you know, the things that I was into that got me interested in Japan. But when I got to Japan, there's very much the, um, you know, the flip version of that. And, you know, and this is a real thing. It's like I've got several uh, female friends who, like, they are deeply interested in Native American culture. And, you know, what's what's interesting about Japan is Japan is such a homogenous society in many ways that the flip side of that is that when people develop a hobby, mm -hmm. they... Like they're ten, they're, people tend to really go deep on one specific thing. Um, I mean, I've got a friend who she's a photographer, and she like her her focus is photographing abandoned cities. Um, you know, and so it's not you know not uh, you know not just photographing interesting, beautiful buildings. They have to be abandoned, um, and you know it, it's 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 interesting. I think you know people. Like, kind of the, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a, an escape valve. Uh, I don't know, you know, what it is, but it's, you know, a, a sort of, there's all this pressure day to day to fit into what society wants from you. And then, you know, the, the reverse of that is like, well, if I'm going to define me, you're uniquely being me, I'm going to define me like in a very, very specific way. Um, so, you know, Miki in a lot of ways is, a, is an extension of that. So, there was no Miki who came to my high school, but there very well could have been. Let me put it that way. Uh, what about Vikram? Uh, he, so, uh, you know, it, like there's, there is a lot of my real life best friend um, in Vikram. Um, you know, it, it's also, um, I mean, all of these characters, all of these characters are, are mixtures of, of real people and people I've known and, you know, kind of what um you know what the imagination demands um i mean certainly in my life but i've also just seen in the life of a lot of my friends it seems like often 
you know, like there will be friends who are in our lives, you know, for one point and kind of then the things that made us connect, we, we outgrow them. So like, you know, Vikrami mm-hmm. kind of comes from there, but then like, you know, when you're a writer, you know, your responsibility is to, you know, so I'm writing on some level, I'm writing from Sean's perspective, but you know, you have to be empathetic and think about, you know, think about, you know, who, who these characters are and where they're coming from. And, you know, that's part of, you know, Vic is a, uh, he, he is a middle child, you know, and that's a lot of what I thought about is kind of like the middle child tends to be the one with like the one who is the most conflicted uh, because it's sort of torn between, you know, the, the heroic eldest child and the, you know, the kind of the youngest who gets to, uh, gets to sort of do whatever they want to do. Um, so, uh, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, there's the initial, the initial creative spark. And then once you sort of get into the writing, a whole lot of other, a whole lot of other inspirations come into play. Well, what I was getting at was, is the real Vikram Indian? Oh yeah. Yes, he is. Um, cause the, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cause because the, there's there's an important part in the film where there's a misunderstanding of the difference between American Indian and Indian American, and that uh, and and that is that's based on real life, um, and you know that happens, and and you know and this is part of where you know when when writing it, you know, like I mean, there were many conversations with um, both you know the real life people and others about like, am I am I getting this right? Am I you know? do I, do I have a handle on what this actually felt like? Uh, because it's, I mean, it's particularly true in America. I mean, there's a lot of people who they, you, you kind of have multiple identities and also like, which is my identity? And yeah, I mean, and that was, mm-hmm. that was certainly, um, was the case for, you know, for the real life Vic, but also for, you know, for plenty of other people in my, uh, in my peer group. Mm. Yeah, I had an idea for a similar character once in a Western, an Indian American who was constantly being confused <laughs> for an American Indian, constantly, constantly having to explain. Yeah, yeah. What do you What do you mean? What tribe am I from? I'm not from. I was born in Boston. What are you talking sure, about? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, um, you know, and 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 a lot of the result of that is is having to then sort of define yourself in a very very specific way, which uh, you know that's definitely a big part of Vic's journey in the film. Yeah, one he seems to be um a little a little embarrassed by his yeah. heritage in that he insists on being called yeah. Vic rather than Vikram, you know, he's trying really hard to fit in and to be seen as just one of the one of your normal American guys who's also into Japanese stuff, yeah. but we don't really see him interacting with his uh, with his own culture. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and a lot of that is um, where he's at in life specifically. Uh, you know, I think when he gets a bit older, uh, sure. he's going to learn to, you know, he's going to learn to embrace that, and um, you know, and and sort of discover that you know these things can coexist. Um, but but yeah, I mean, at, at this juncture, there's all of these pressures from the outside, and it's like, well, no, I'm going to define myself by what you know, the world right around me is telling me is popular. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like, it's hard. It's really hard uh, to define yourself uh, when you've got all these conflicting forces around you. Yeah. Well, even his love of, of anime and, and tokusatsu, it's not really his own. He says he liked it because uh, Sean Yeah, which, it. you know... I was into yeah, it because you which, were. Which, you know, in, in the film, you know, a lot of that is... Um, you know, th- that's a, that's a cathartic moment where, you know, he's sort of, 
exploring that out there. And that's, there's definitely some truth to that, but I think, you know, it's not the whole truth. Uh, I think he does like it. And part of it is that it's, you know, it's sure. a world, or at least it was a world that he could escape into. And part of what's happening in the film is that it seems yeah. like the sort of the real world around him is finally starting to recognize him uh, for who he wants to be. And so it's like, oh, no, I don't need this stuff anymore. Um, but, you know, that's, um, yeah. you know, I think what that what that speaks to for both, you know, for both Sean and Vic in different ways is, so much, I think, of the experience in America of being into anime and into tokusatsu is it being a world to escape into that is somehow better or more interesting than the real world we're in. And, you know, that's a big thing that I wanted to explore in the film is this idea that, you know, we perceive the world around us to somehow be lesser or not fun or not good. And so we escape into this fantasy world. Um, and, you know, one of the things I want to play with in EK Boys is having that fantasy world then invade our real world and you know we, we discover from that oh hey the, the real world we're in this actually ain't so bad after all yeah they es- and they escape uh through i don't want to call it a cursed videotape exactly a magical videotape it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the ring <laughs> but with a complete a, a completely different tone yes, yes. in that by uh by watching there there's something on the videotape and by watching it it can uh, affect you which is really just sort of an updated version of uh, like the necronomicon or something like that but by reading this book by receiving this information you might be changed so be careful uh be careful what book you open be careful what videotape you watch it could uh, open you up to maybe something awesome maybe something terrible yeah, I'll just open up this uh, rhetorical question for your, the listeners, um, and I'm not going to give the answer, but it's so, you know, was there something special about Sean, Vic, and Miki that when uh, they saw the film, uh, it was them specifically that were affected by it, or would this happen to anyone who watched the film? And uh, I'll just leave that to the listeners to ponder. Well, I certainly have some thoughts about that, but we will leave it to them to decide for themselves. I had concerns about Miki. I was worried about her. Yeah. Her home life. Yeah. She she seems very surprised twice. Surprised that somebody would think she's cool and surprised that somebody would be worried about mm, her. Mm. And also just the fact that she wants to go on this uh, spirit journey. Yeah. Because she doesn't she thinks it'll tell her who she is she doesn't seem to know who she is or what her purpose is or anything um so i it just made me very curious about because we don't get to see her family at all or what her life back in japan is like yeah but i'm assuming she's not that popular if she's so or or considered cool back in japan and uh i was (laughs) she seems all right once she's ready to go home but I, i was a little concerned about her well, uh, yeah, she, she, she's not that popular back home. Um, and so, I mean, this is, there's a few different things going on there. So, you know, one is um, typically, you know, most Japanese families, um, affection is rarely expressed. Um, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, apart from when you're really, really, I mean, like a, a small child, uh, you're not going to get typically that, you know, like hugs and kisses and like, oh, I'm so proud of you. Uh, from your parents. But what you're going to get is pressure to succeed. And when you do succeed, then pressure to succeed more. 
And so, I mean, there's, you know, there's inferiority complexes all over the place. Um, and it's, you know, it's compounded by in the schooling, which is, again, it's, you know, it's all of this pressure to, to succeed, you know, get into the best university, get into the best company. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's where Miki is coming from. And it's interesting now because, um, things are actually loosening up a little bit, but you know, the film is set in 1999 and at that time, um, you know, the things, it's still very much sort of like, you know, Miki would be a, a child of, you know, the people who built the bubble economy, which is, you know, so it's, it, it's a, it's a generation of go-getters and then they have, uh, then they have children who, uh, you know, it's like they expect them to be go-getters too. Um, and, you know, so, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, just, she's not generally going to be in a supportive environment. You know, the other thing is even independent of a particular cultural background is just when you're that age, I think a lot of us don't know who we are. I mean, uh, I say that there's a lot of me and Sean, but there's also a lot of me and Miki. Uh, you know, it's kind of like you, you get all of these competing messages in the world of like, oh, you need to be this, you need to be that. Uh, but also then sometimes you hear it's like, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. And so it's like, well, can I have a multiple choice test? I mean, it's like, you know, uh, so... You know what? 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 Uh, what should I be doing with my life? So, you know, there, there's there's something specific about her being, you know, a Japanese woman and that of that generation. But it's also just, you know, being a teenager. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite lines in the movie was when they ask uh, Miki what her favorite anime is, <laughs> and she says the Lion King. <laughs> Because when an American uses the term anime, they mean specifically Japanese animation. Yeah. But I suppose in Japan, it just means any cartoon, regardless of where it comes from. So uh, when I was yeah. when I was younger, there was a time when people used the term Japan animation, and I suppose somebody decided that was uh, rude. Well, I... <laughs> and then somebody figured out why don't we call it what they call it. Yeah, you know, and this is—I mean, there's a few different things going on there. One is that I think if um, if that that exact same exchange had happened 20 years later, uh, I think most most Japanese people would like have a sense of anime as a uniquely Japanese thing. And at the time, that sort of that concept mm -hmm. is still coming together. A lot of it too is just though that we as foreigners, I think, you know, we we sort of latch on to certain things that come out of Japan. Um, and like, mm -hmm. I mean, look, you know, you and I met at a, uh, you know, at a Godzilla themed convention. G-Fest is by far uh, larger than anything remotely comparable uh, in Japan. And, you know, so a lot of it is just kind of like, even just sort of framing the question of like, hey, you know, uh, you know, what's your favorite anime? Like on some level, um, people might not even, certainly at the time, would not have even have thought in those terms. But uh, the other thing going on is just Disney is super popular everywhere. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Right, sure. Uh, yeah, a while back, I started trying to study Japanese just on the Duolingo sure. app because I had this idea that I wanted to go to Godzilla Fest yeah. in Japan. Yeah, yeah. And then I found out that G-Fest is much bigger. yeah. yeah. That might partly be, I mean, it part, it, I think it's partly maybe Godzilla's more popular here. I don't know. But also, America's just bigger. There's just more people here. So even if it's the same 
percentage of the population that's into that, the total number is going to be much larger because we're just so darn big. Well, you know, I, there's a few different things going on uh, because don't get me wrong, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, Godzilla and certainly, you know, Tokusatsu in general and anime. I mean, obviously they're popular in Japan or there wouldn't be so much of it made. I think the big, the big difference yeah. of what's going on is it's, I think maybe a good metaphor would be, or, you know, a, a good analogy would be a, like a foreign cuisine that it's like, because it's not, so like in, in Japan, tokusatsu anime, these are things it's like, you can go to the supermarket and get them anytime because they're just, you know, part of these staples sure. that are on the shelf. It's just... um, you know, in the U.S., you have to go to the specialty store and get the specialty spices. And when it's like, right. when it's that, you pay more attention to them. And so like, so you pay more attention to them, you sort of dig deeper into, okay, well, what are the ingredients here? You know, like, what, what are these different spices? And, you know, and then the price goes up and, you know, it, it's, um, you, you know, it's just, it's kind of your, your, the focus of your attention changes. But I mean, I'll tell you, it's fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, I went to, you know, I went to G-Fest with, uh, with Yumi Koshaku, um, who's also an EK Boys. Of course, she was in uh, Godzilla, um, against Mechagodzilla. And she was really, I think, not at all expecting or prepared for how many people <laughs> would A, know who she was, but, you know, yeah. be there and just be so ecstatic to see her. Um, and, you know, because, again, it's just kind of, it's, in Japan, it's more people would take it, you know, would, would take it for granted. Um, and, you know, in, in the States, it's this special, special thing. So it's a, <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, she seemed a little uh, stunned it was. by the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, in, in, in a good way. Uh, I, it was a, it was a, I think it was a very, very positive experience for her. Right. It's reminding me a little bit of, I just heard today on the radio that uh, Sixto Rodriguez also known as Sugar Man, okay. has died. Yeah. He was a American musician who made a couple of albums and then his career didn't go anywhere. And then it turned out that he was huge in South Africa mm. and he had no idea. Mm. For decades, he had no idea. And people in South Africa thought he was dead. Oh, my. Oh, my. No, he just died this week. But they thought for, they thought for long. Yeah, there were all these crazy rumors about how he had died. And, and at some point... A uh, couple of guys decided to track down uh, the producer of his album and try to find out what the deal was. And then they asked him, how did he die? And he's like, what are you talking about? I saw him yesterday. He lives down the street from me. Wow. Yeah. So he, he ended up, uh, you know, later in life touring South Africa and finding out that he had all these fans that he never that he never knew about. Well, you know, that's, um, I mean, apparently our, our own show is very popular in Sri Lanka. So, well, that, that, I mean, that, that's the, well, first of all, that's awesome. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm just glad that he was able to connect with all those fans. Um, you know, I mean, this is, uh, you know, be, I think this speaks to I me, mean, it speaks to a few things. It speaks to the power of the internet because I think that can help disseminate things, um, yeah, but it's also, you know, I, I, there's a principle that, you know, art, art always finds its audience. Uh, it just, it may not happen mm. on a predictable timetable. You know, I, I mean, uh, I mean, this in a lot of ways, this is baked into EK Boys, the idea that, you know, the, the director of the cursed uh, film within the film, like he, you know, expected it to be this big, grand thing 
uh, and then it was lost. But you know, thirty years later, it finds its audience, um, and uh, y- you know, it, um, I mean, I think, I mean, look, just just experiencing what we experienced at G Fest, like that that is that is borne out. Um, you know, like art will find the people that it's meant for. And sometimes it might, I mean, sometimes it might be after the creators are, uh, long dead and buried. Um, so, you know, whenever, uh, whenever the creators do get to, uh, to know that their work is, uh, is appreciated, uh, that's, uh, that, 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 that's a gift. Uh, so I'm glad that Sugar Man, right? Yeah. I'm, yes. I'm glad that Sugar Man was able to get that gift. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just hearing this. St- I'd heard the story before, but it came up again today because he just passed uh-huh. away at the age of 81. This is Don Fry, and you're listening to Monster Movie Funtime Go. But back to G-Fest, was that your first time at G-Fest? It was. Um, and, you know, so, so we talked about, yeah. uh, you know, Shaki-san's uh, response to it. Um, I, I mean, I too, candidly, was a bit overwhelmed by it. Uh, I mean, I, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's not an understatement to say that uh, Godzilla films changed my life and in a lot of ways sort of set the course of my life. You know, that's they were played a big role in... Uh, making me want to be a filmmaker and making me want to learn Japanese and, you know, just kind of heading down the, the life path that I've gone down. But, uh, so, so, you know, compared to most people, um, I am a big, big Godzilla fan, but compared to maybe, you know, the, the average attendee of G Fest, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I felt like a, uh, like, you know, someone with a, a bachelor's degree surrounded by PhDs. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, it just, uh, <laughs> It was also, it was just kind of, you know, this wonderful sensory overload between all of the cosplay and all of the t-shirts and all of the little snatches of conversation that you're hearing. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was, uh, it, it was quite an experience. That was, uh, our first time going as well. I've been to similar uh-huh. kinds of things, uh, about, you know, for other geek culture things. Uh, you, you were talking about people in Japan getting really focused on what they're yeah into i'm more of a well-rounded geek (laughs) i have a broad broad interest but uh although it's you know because i decided to do this show it's getting more focused (laughs) but i i once went to the uh i went to the superman celebration in metropolis okay okay yeah and uh because that yeah yeah, he's kind of my he's my favorite thing and i thought i was a big superman fan until i listened to the trivia competition (laughs) and there were guys who could tell you who played the villain in episode two from season three of the adventures of Superman starring George Reeves. And I'm like, okay, I have the DVDs of those, but I couldn't tell you who the star in each episode was or the title of each episode. So uh, I understand exactly what you mean about like, oh, I, I thought I was into this, but. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's interesting. I am, you know, I, I've spent, um, you know, well over a decade, you know, working in Japan. And um, so I've definitely, you know, gotten a taste of what, you know, sort of what Japanese fandom looks like. And I think, you know, the conclusion I've drawn is that, you know, it, Japanese fans get just as microy. It's just maybe they're less 
open about it. I mean, part of this is American culture. It's like sort of when we, you know, when we feel something, we'll express it. So it's like, you know, we're going to go and like share our knowledge. Uh, and I think in Japan, it's more like, I, you know, it's like I visited friends' apartments and it's like I will see a wall of like all of the manga uh, by a certain author and it's like you know I'll be able to ask this question and they'll like immediately know which volume and which page to pull off the shelf and like oh yeah like this is you know th this is where this happened um so yeah I mean I think fandom is fandom um yeah I mean but it, you know it's a it, it's a fascinating thing I mean I think a lot of it a lot of it does come down to you know I mean look life is tough and it doesn't get any tougher the older you get um so having an escape like that uh, I think a lot of it is just, it's, it's a way to, you know, help get through the day. And boy, I can certainly relate to that. Um, cause, uh, you know, being a kid is hard. Being an adult as an adult is hard. And, uh, having a, a world like that, that you can escape into and know all the particulars. That's a, that's a powerful, powerful thing. Do you yourself have a particular favorite anime or tokusatsu or kaiju? Mm, yeah. What is your... Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and, and so I'm definitely answering favorite here, not, um, not best. Cause that's, I mean, that's a whole, oh, yeah. um, oh, sure. So yeah. Uh, so anime, it would be a, yeah, I mean, uh, um, well, it, it's a toss up, but so, I mean, the, the original television run of Evangelion, um, I mean, I, I, I just love, um, I mean, I'm going to have to throw in, um, the tale of the princess Kakia. I don't, that's one. It's even like, it's kind of an iffy question whether you categorize it as anime or not. I just think it's, it's a, a beautiful masterpiece of filmmaking. And I think it should be in the conversation for best film ever made period. I don't, also, I don't know a, that one. Yeah. It's a, it, why would it not well, be it, it's, it's Ghibli. Um, it's by, uh, 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 uh Takahata. Um, and, um, I mean, it's, uh, so, I mean, I think it, it's, it's readily, you know, in the conversation for, you know, some, uh, best, you know, some of the, one of the best animated films ever made. Um, I just, you know, it, it's, it's beautiful. It's philosophical. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's a very sort of slow paced, gentle film. I can't recommend it enough. Um, getting back to favorite tokusatsu though. Um, so, uh, Godzilla versus space Godzilla that, um, that, that is a guaranteed pick-me-upper um, anytime I've had a bad day. Um, and, I mean, for obvious reasons, I've got a real soft spot for a Godzilla, uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Um, Love that film to begin with, and now that I've, uh, you know, worked with uh, Shaku-san, I, uh, you know, just kind of, my affection for it has, has increased exponentially. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, well, I'm going to, this tale of uh, Princess Kaguya, yeah, yeah. Ka Kaguya? Kaguya, that is that's on that's on HBO Max with all the other Ghibli stuff. So I, oh, I haven't I'll seen. It. It I don't know why yeah. I missed that one. Yeah, but I will. Yeah, check by the way, I know. But why why did you say it wouldn't be considered anime? Um. So well, first of all, just um, both in its visual style and in its storytelling tropes, it's there. There, it you know it, it's quite a departure from sort of, you know, the things that we think of when we think of anime. Um, and, you know, uh -huh. and um, I mean, it's, it's kind of just unique among animated films in general. 
so yeah, it, it is animation from Japan in Japanese, um, but it's okay. I mean, you'll you'll know it when you see it. Just the, the aesthetic experience of the film, it's just it's very very unique. Okay. Well, it sounds like uh, it sounds similar to somebody saying that uh, Mouse isn't sure. really a comic sure. book because it's because it's not superheroes because it's not what the person who doesn't know anything about comic books thinks about when they hear comic book. They they don't think about mouse. They think yeah, about no, that's, that's, a, that's a great analogy. I used to think I really liked anime until I joined the Anime of the Month Club. <laughs> <laughs> this was, they would send you a, a VHS every month of a different anime, and when I started watching a lot of it, I was like, a lot of this doesn't make sense, <laughs> <laughs> and it started it started bu- it started bugging me. And I was like, maybe I, maybe I don't like anime. But then uh, years later, I saw Fooly Cooly, which makes not a lick of sense, and I freaking loved it. So, well, it, it's um, so I guess you just have to find the right thing. Well, I mean, the, the smoking gun in this is, you know, most anime is done for, you know, not enough money and not enough time, and. You know, mm-hmm. the, sort of the principle in filmmaking is you can have something good, you can have it cheap, you can have it fast, and you right. can only have um, you can only have uh, two of those at the same time. So, a lot of anime, yeah. you, you only get you, you only even get one of those, um, and you know, <laughs> like <laughs> like okay, um, I mean, so, so you know, my understanding of it is, you know, I was telling you about my love of uh, the tale of the princess Kaguya. Uh, my, my understanding of it is it's the most expensive of uh, the Ghibli films, and that it, you know, it had it didn't recoup its budget. Um, so it's a, you know, yeah. it's a masterwork, um, but not a commercial success, um, or at least, or at least sure. not not enough to, you know, to for the bottom line. So, yeah, um, you know, and and it's interesting. I mean, I've got quite a few friends working um, in the anime industry, and. Uh, it uh, it's brutal. Um, I mean, it's actually it's interesting. I I, um, I, I did a tour of Ghibli uh, a few years ago for a project I was on, and that studio is so much like the exception that proves the rule because it's like it's big and it's spacious and it's nice, and the animators are treated well. And then like you go into the other studios and it's like cramped. You know, it's like old like moldy buildings like. You're barely paid a livable wage if you're even paid a livable wage, and it's like, yeah, okay. So there's going to be some, there's going to be some pretty bonkers stuff that comes out of this kind of working environment. Well, I also I started asking myself, do maybe they just are focusing on different aspects of storytelling than Americans or English speakers might? And then I did see something uh, years later. Uh, I can't even remember what it's called, but basically saying that uh, the Japanese are more concerned about whether something looks good or looks cool than if it makes sense. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, my experience is working in animation. There is definitely a um, there's definitely a premium placed on how cool do the shots look, and you know, kind of then there's the poor, long-suffering screenwriter who's you know. Basically, you know, writing, you know, writing to support the shots. Um, and, you know, again, it's kind of like, well, what do you think is going to happen? Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. So um, what 
are you working on next? Is there going to be a sequel? Well, to EK Boys, so there there is definitely as implied. There, there is a, there is definitely a sequel in the works. Um, it um, uh, without giving away too much, it takes place a few years later. So uh, I definitely plan to make another film in between. I'm working on a few things. Um, there's something that uh, I can't. There's a big thing I'm working on that I can't talk about, um, so I'm kind of dancing around that. Um, but I have a, um, I've got a full uh, animated project I'm working on. That's, um, it's a, it's a big swashbuckling adventure story with dinosaurs. Uh, I think it's I, fair for me to say that. <laughs> and um, I'm working on a, um, I, I've described it. It's a, it's a, a love story between a lonely woman and a cat, and that would be live action. Um, and sort of the, the impetus there is, uh, you know, okay. they're. Uh, there haven't been a lot of great movies made for um, for cat lovers, and I'm one of the world's great cat lovers, and I think that's a that's a movie that needs to be made. So, so yeah, so um, uh, dinosaurs, cats, and some things I can't talk about. Those are those are the big things on my plate at the moment. Yeah, actually, there's a few things I can't talk about, but uh, it, it, it's more or less all uh, you know pretty. Um, Pretty fantastical things. Um, I, you know, I like um, I like playing in the genre sandbox because it, first of all, it's just fun. Um, but I think it, you know, you can say something. In some ways, you can say something more real and more true about the human experience by um, by doing a fantasy story than you can with something that's fully grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Sure. I wanted to mention just this is a non sequitur but yeah. billy zane is in this movie he sure is love billy zane <laughs> <laughs> um i freaking love the phantom and i think it's a crime that that movie was not bigger than it was because it was exactly what everybody always claims that they want and then they didn't go see it well it, it uh you, they, like, why can't hollywood make a nice wholesome you know and then they do it and no one goes. Well, I'll tell you, you're in good company, though. That movie is definitely, its audience has swelled over the years. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. I think that's actually a pretty classic case of art finding its audience, um, just not not in a way that the, uh, you know, the, 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 the money counters are happy with. Um, but yeah, but, but yeah. The, it, the Phantom, uh, it definitely has... Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it, 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 it is a, it is beloved at this stage. I uh, saw somebody at G-Fest who had some phantom rings on their table. So, yeah. But I already have one, so I didn't buy it. I was like, I have that exact ring. Yeah. I got it at a, this one, this one summer when I was living in New York, they did this uh, in in Times Square, this sort of street fair, this movie street fair, uh-huh, uh-huh. where all this the studios all had little booths set up just there on the street where they were giving away posters and and T-shirts and you know things, and there was one for the Phantom. I got a T-shirt and a skull ring, and a poster. <laughs> That's. And uh, Michelle Trachtenberg was at another booth signing Harry at the Spy poster nice. somewhere in nice. this house. I still have an autographed Harry at the Spy poster. Troma was there. All the studios, big and small, were there promoting whatever they had about to come out. And they acted like it was going to be an annual thing, but I don't think they ever did it again. I was shocked to see that exact same ring on for sale on somebody's table at G-Fest. 
Well, so um, we can definitely get back to Billy Zane in a moment here, but my favorite bit of cosplay that I saw at G-Fest was hey, talking about non sequiturs. Um, it was actually one of the gentlemen who came up to the autograph table for Chuck's son. But like, I was kind of like, saw what he was wearing and did a double take. And he saw me do the double take. And he's like, yeah, and it's like, I'm Hank Hill from King of the Hill. <laughs> Oh, thank you. right. And then it was yeah. We had the whole like propane accessories, and it was uh, it was a yeah. I have no idea what possessed him. Yeah, that, I, but it was a beautiful moment. I saw him at the um, at the costume parade, <laughs> and I was a little bit like, what, what? It's like, well, I should have I should have busted out my Indiana Jones cosplay if we're just going whole hog nonsense. Here. <laughs> I know. I worked at a Ren Fair one summer where uh, some customers came dressed in Star Trek uniforms, both Federation and Klingon, <laughs> and they were they they decided that they had beamed down to this planet that was still in its medieval stage of development, and they were just imposing their own storyline on the entire affair. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, That's, whatever. Yeah. They're having fun. What's the key episode? <laughs> Captain, I object. I am not a merry man. Yes. Yes. It was like that. <laughs> uh, ben Browder's also in this movie, who I did not recognize at all. Yeah. And I've seen every season of Farscape. Yeah. It wasn't until you were, uh, I saw you doing your little question and answer at the screening. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because his, his name just, I must have saw his name go by in the credits, but it just yeah. didn't pop out at me. And I was like, oh, I know that yeah. guy. I've watched that guy a lot. Yeah, um, I know. Farscape is, is one of my all-time favorites. I, I've seen the whole show, um, uh, I think, six times. Um, but yeah, um, Ben is, um, I mean, it, every movie should have Ben Browder in it. Um, like Ben is, like, <laughs> he, he's kind of, he, he's what you want every actor to be where he's really good at his craft. Mm. He's really hardworking and he's just, he's just a good guy. He's just really fun to be around. Um, I mean, he, uh, like the, the, the thing that like you can, if, if you sort of pay attention, I think you can probably sense in his performances is in a lot of ways, Ben is just kind of like a big, like a big middle school boy. Um, I mean, he loves to play pranks. He loves to, he, he, he loves, you know, whenever he can sort of sneak in a little sly joke, he will. Um, and like, uh, he, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, there, there are some people who, you know, and I would include myself in this sort of, you know, you're, you're always sort of like seeking a, a deeper meaning or a sort of like, you know, an, an insight to be found in any given moment. And Ben will do the opposite where he'll just kind of, you know, he'll take the piss with everything. And, um, I don't know. He's just, he's just great. He is just great. Well, he was really good in, in, uh, EK voice, not recognizing him at all. I was just really drawn in by his performance and I just felt a great sympathy for his character as the, the, the single father who's trying, but his son is not appreciating the effort yeah. that he's putting in. Cause he's a teenage boy and he just, he doesn't know, but he, he does seem to really be trying and, you know, not every parent yeah. does. Not every parent tries to understand and and he is. 
Well, uh, thank you, and uh, I know Ben will appreciate that a lot. Um, I mean, it, it's interesting because you know the uh, the character of Wayne. He uh, again, you know, as like there's a bit of my own father in him, and then there's a lot of several very close. Uh, I've got a few f close friends who are single fathers, and so all of that is kind of channeled into the character. And you know, it, it's interesting, sort of the process of building a character. Uh, you know, before we were on set, Ben and I spent a lot of time just talking, and I, you know, I. I talked about, uh, you know, the men who inspired Wayne and, you know, then Ben asked some questions. I know, I know he was also drawing some inspiration from, you know, some people he knew. And, you know, it, it was interesting just to sort of see his process because, you know, he showed up um, a, a couple of days before we actually had to start filming. And, you know, he just like, he would just kind of hang out on the set and, you know, reread the, read the script, reread the script sort of pay attention to what the other actors were doing and just pay attention to the general vibe. And, you know, it, like he really, it, it was just, it was neat to watch his process because it was, you know, clear that he was, and he was building the character, but also building the character within the context of the overall world that we were building. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that dedication shows in his performance. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a very, it's a very genuine performance in a, you know, in a somewhat, sometimes very heightened film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, he's very grounded. Um, yeah, very cool. real. I really liked it. Next time you talk to Billy Zane, tell him I love him. But you can tell the same to everybody in the movie because they were all well, really I good. I, I was blessed with a good really cast. Good and, you know, one of the, one of the fringe benefits of it is that uh, I've become pretty close friends with most of them, um, you know, to one degree or another. I mean, we really, I think, I, you know, it, it's a film, it's going to sound cliche, but it is a film that was made with a lot of love and care. And I think just that, that intent behind it, uh, I mean, it, it brought us all closer together. I mean, I, I was just uh, exchanging text messages with, uh, with uh, Christina who played Miki um, earlier this morning. Um, you know, we're so, I think, you know, this is one of the interesting things about making art is, you know, the, the sort of the, the human spirit and the intent that goes into it, it, um, it does show in the finished product and nothing else. This is a film that was made with, uh, with a lot of love and a lot of warmth. Yeah. Uh, we, we can certainly see that in the, in the finished product. <laughs> I do want to mention briefly Quinn Lord. Yes. Who plays Sean. Yes. He's he was in a movie that we have previously discussed on this show during one of our 31 Days of Horror October marathons that we sure. do sure. every year. He he was in Trick or Treat. He was indeed as yes. Sa as Sam. Yeah. So he's in it, but not so as you'd notice because his head's covered up the whole time. Uh, except it's not. There's a he's also the peeping Tom in that film. Oh right, right. Yeah, yes, yeah, it does yeah. say that in the on yeah, the um, yeah. IMBD that he has another another role. Yes, yes. So that film's been out for a long time, yeah. but I noticed last year in the Spirit Halloween store, Sam merchandise was was all over the store, and I'm yeah. like, what is what is going on here? This, yeah. Why why is this just now? Because I never saw any of it when the movie first came out. Yeah. But uh, now his little burlap head is all over the place at the Spirit Halloween store. So. 
Yeah, well, that, that's a real case of a film that's been, um, you know, growing and building its audience over time. And, it, you know, again, it's just, yep. you know, it, um, it's the quality of the film. Um, it, so, yeah, I, um, uh, Quinn's great. I mean, Quinn, in a lot of ways, is the little brother I never knew that I had. Um, I mean, we, you know, we'll, we're into the same things and like, we'll have whole conversations where it's just like exchanging quotes from our favorite TV shows. So, uh, I mean, we, I think we kind of, <laughs> I think we both uh, kind of overwhelmed, uh, Ben a little bit with how well we knew Farscape inside and out. Right. But we're also like, we're also like both really into like obscure, like, um, funky, like, uh, British comedies. So uh, I don't know okay. if you're familiar with uh, Toast, Toast of London. Um, yes, yes. Starring. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. So so we'll, we will frequently like exchange text message, you know, text messages where it's like, you know, it's like, hello, Quinn, this is Clem Fandango. Can you hear me? Like, uh, <laughs> yes, I hear you, uh, Clem Fandango. Yeah, yeah it's a no. no um, okay, yeah, yeah. No, you, you and Quinn will get along famously. Um, anyway, yeah, but, but, but getting back to Trick or Treat, um, yeah, so, so so Quinn's great. I mean, he, he too is an imp. But uh, he, uh, I think he, like, you know, so, so Trick or Treat was the first, uh, the first acting role he ever did. And um, he, uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's an important part of his life, but, uh, you know, he's sort of, it's, it's grown in popularity as he's grown, as he's grown up. So I think it kind of amuses him a bit. Um, I mean, we actually, like, he had a day off during the EK Boys filming. He went to the, one of the local shopping malls and picked up a, like, a Sam doll from Hot Topic. <laughs> And was just kind of like proudly parading it around the set, like you know, it's like, it's like they didn't recognize me. Uh, and uh, I've actually gone and visited him at a you know at a, a, a few horror conventions, and like he loves whenever there's a Sam cosplay, he always like asks if he can put it on, and so like surprise people. So uh, yeah, it, it, I think Quinn uh, Quinn relishes the role that that movie plays in his life. Mm. Well, that's good. That's good. So, some people don't always um, appreciate the thing that got them started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they try to act like that didn't happen. So that's, yeah, no, that's good. He's got, Quinn's got a good sense of humor about it. But yeah, he's, he's, got, a good, he's got just a good, a, a good attitude. Right. Uh, do you think you're going to be going back to G-Fest again? Uh, I certainly, uh, both uh, Shaka-san and I would, would certainly like to. Um, we no, no concrete plans as of yet, but uh, right. but it, 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 the desire is definitely there. We already booked our rooms for next year. Nice, nice. Well, uh, well, it, uh, the the uh, you know the convention rate rooms sell out really quickly, and like yeah, two yeah. week two weeks after it was over, they posted that they were available, and I was like, ah, crap! I better go ahead and reserve one. Yeah. I mean, at some point, I I would enjoy going just as an attendee because uh, you know it was like I, uh, I I barely had any time to myself um, mm -hmm. this last sure. one, which uh, was fine. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it was a one of a kind experience. Well, I got to present a panel, which was nice okay. for my first time yeah. to get to get to do that. It went it went really well. I'm yeah. hoping to do one again next year. Of course, we were running around recording stuff and. And just making contacts for for this kind of thing, like we're we're doing yeah, now. Yeah, um, it's worked out really great. So we're probably gonna. We kind of wanted to go to Blob Fest, which sadly is on the same weekend. What is Blob? Uh, Fest? Or it was it was this it was this year? 
I guess it will be next year. So, you know, the movie The Blob. Yeah. The historic theater where it was filmed has yeah. a street has a street fair and a and a you know a, a little film festival every year. Oh my. Where they, they show they show the blob and they show a couple of other movies and they have some performers and you know a street fair and um various events and they also then stage a run out of the theater <laughs> oh, that's, where they that's recreate the moment yeah. from the blob when everybody comes running screaming out of the theater and oh all God. the local news comes by and films it every year apparently and it's been going on for 23 years but i only heard about it this year and it's the same weekend as g-fest so oh that's well uh, i think you made i think you made the right call but boy that sounds fun uh, yeah, like yeah. Movie. So we probably won't do it next year, but maybe the year after. I don't, I don't know. I have to yeah. see if it's always on the same weekend. Yeah. Well, it. Um. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's yeah. It's just it's awesome to see like all of the love that um you know the, these uh, these films still get. Um. I mean, I am now the proud owner of a Gorgo plush, which just like it's like golly, like a Gorgo plush exists. Uh, like you right. know, uh, with as many problems as there are in the world, uh, you you take sort of moments like that, and you're like, you know, this world ain't so bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'll keep it. Yeah, <laughs> beats the alternative. Uh, yes, it's a good thing it didn't all come to an end in uh, New Year's two thousand. Well, I'll tell you that that is that that is one of my you know. One of my goals with the film is that, you know, so, you know, 99, 2000, that was a time when there was a lot of apocalyptic rhetoric going around. And we live in another era where there's a lot of apocalyptic rhetoric going around. And I guess, you know, one of the one of the messages of EK Boys is that, well, you know, we survived that and we survived it because of, you know, friendship and uh, and friendship and love. So maybe we can survive the problems you're dealing with now because of friendship and love. So in, in, in my own small way, EK Boys is, uh, is meant to inspire people to think, you know, the, the, the challenges we have so now, they're, they're, not, uh, they're not insurmountable. Right. Uh, but it also uh, takes hard work because the reason the Y2K bug didn't bring everything to a crashing halt is people put in a lot of hard work behind the scenes to make sure it didn't. Uh, did, did, a lot of people afterwards were like, uh, a lot of people had the attitude like, oh, it turned out to be nothing. Like, no, it turned out to be nothing because we found out about it and put a lot of effort into fixing it before <laughs> before the date came. This is very, very true. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Um, well, uh, there's a lot of people putting effort into, uh, into the things we're dealing with now. So, uh, yeah, it's, a uh, yeah, uh, if nothing else, if maybe if my my cute little movie can uh, give them a moment of pleasure, then then I played my well. Part. But you put a lot of effort into it though, too. So I sure did. There you I go. Sure yeah. <laughs> well, that seems like a good note to end on. So uh, thank you for joining us today, Eric McEver, and thank you everyone for listening. Oh, thank you for having me. As always, I have been one of your hosts. Precious D, remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. Whatever you do, do not misuse science. And we will not see you, but you will hear us next time 
on Monster Movie Fun Time Go. All right. You've been listening to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.